Welcome to Headlines. This is Ari Wasserman sitting in for David Lechtenstein. Today we will be going to the front lines of the war in Gaza, speaking with a couple of parents who have or had soldiers in the army, and we'll also be speaking with a great posek as to the questions that he has been fielding. Amongst the things we will discuss today are what are the soldiers experiencing? How about their wives, their parents, their close friends? How do you handle the stress of having a child? a son in the army, and how do you handle the grief of losing a son in battle? We will be talking about halachic issues that are encountered not occasionally, but often, daily, by the soldiers in Gaza. If you come across a dead terrorist, is there a halachic obligation to bury that terrorist? Is it permitted for soldiers to live in the houses of the Gazans without consent, to use their food, to go through their pantries, to cook in their pots? Is there a kashrus issue? Is there a choshen mishpat issue with doing that? And we'll also talk about some unique halachic questions that are being asked by the soldiers. Actually, these are fairly inspiring questions, so that will be a very interesting conversation. Today, we are going to be joined by Rabbi Yosef Tzvi Rimon. He is a Rosh Yeshiva, the Rosh Yeshiva of what's referred to as Machon Lev, also called the Jerusalem College of Technology. He's also a Rosh Kolel. He's the Rav of the Gush Etzion area, and he has published some beautiful, beautiful svarim that I regularly use all the time. I use them, and I have tremendous hakarasatov for him for putting out those svarim. We will also speak with Professor Yisrael Amin. He is the recipient of the Nobel Prize in economics, and at 93 years old, he is still an active professor at Hebrew University in Yerushalayim. Unfortunately, his son was killed in battle many years ago while he was serving in the IDF, and we are going to discuss with him how he has dealt with the grief of losing a Bechor, of losing a son. And we will culminate the show with Rabbi Mordechai Becher, who is a popular lecturer. He's an author. He has two sons in the IDF. Rabbi Becher served as a senior lecturer for Gateways for 20 years, and he'll be talking about his experiences and the experiences of his sons. At the way end of the show, the last few minutes, we're going to have a quick recap. It was requested by a number of people, a recap of the most salient points from the show so we can have some takeaways and hopefully remember them and incorporate them into our lives. The title of today's show is called In Memory of Yakir and David Hashem Yikom Damam. Chavrus is in life. Chavrusas in death, Chavrusas in Olam Haba. This show is dedicated to them, but not only to them, but it should be an Ilui Neshama for all of the soldiers who have been killed in battle. So who were Yakir and David? They were Chavrusas in Yeshiva. They learned together. They served in the army in an elite unit. They were Moser Nefesh, and their lives were taken. They were killed in action together in Gaza this week. And now they are Chavrusas in Olam Haba. So who was Yakir? Yakir is, was, I prefer is, the son of my daily Chavrusa of many, many years, probably close to 10 years at this point, Rav Yeshua, Josh Hexter. It was Yakir who prepped me for this show just a few days ago. He had a quick break coming out of Aza, and he spent some time with me describing everything he and the other soldiers are going through. 
halachic issues, emotional issues. In fact, a good part of next week's topic as well will be based on that conversation. It was just this past Monday night, Yoshua and I went to a wedding by the Ben Gurion Airport, somebody that we dive in Vasikin with every day. And Tuesday morning was like every other morning. I put on my talus and chillin. I put it on 50 minutes before Nate's. Nate's was at 6.40. So I put it on at 5.50, ready to go to shul, to be accompanied by the malachim that accompanies somebody who puts on talus and tefillin at home. And I, so I, as I was on the way out at 5.56 a.m., I received a text, quote, a text from Yeshua, quote, with a broken heart, my Yakir was killed in battle. The funeral will be today at Har Herzl. Yakir was a gem of a person. And where did he get that from? From his parents who were so dedicated and in love with him. The relationship that Yakir had with both of his parents, with Yoshua, with Chaya, was something to be envious of. To the extent that Yakir... When it came to learning with his father, Yaki would even go to his father's office. They had a Havrusa together in Misilas Yesharim. How many fathers and sons have a relationship like that? Let's talk about David. David I never met, but I heard unbelievable things about him. David, Yakir's Havrusa. I just want to read a snippet of what David's wife included in a eulogy she gave for him. As following, I quote, she says, I will conclude, this is the conclusion of the eulogy, with three sentences that David hung above his bed and that he would see each night before going to sleep. Number one is, Hakol bide shamayim. Everything is in the hands of heaven except for the fear of heaven. Number two, Bahaboteach Bahashem Chesed Yisovavenu. He who trusts in the Lord will be surrounded with kindness. And number three, Vaani Bechazdechabatachti. I trust in your faithfulness. My heart will exult in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. That's extraordinary. Yakir was extraordinary. David was extraordinary. And so many of the soldiers that we have lost were extraordinary. I heard another story from a friend, Dr. Daniel Kazovitz. He told me about a neighbor of his. I hope I have the facts correct. The critical facts I definitely have correct. And he says that this son of a neighbor was in the army and he was sure to wake up even though they're all exhausted and working so hard. In Gaza, he was up at 6 a.m. to daven and learn. And within the first few weeks of being in Gaza, he finished Maseches Kiddushin. That is not a short Masechta. And he finished it not only with Rashi, but Tosfos as well. And he was inspiring the non-observant Jews in his unit as well. These are extraordinary people. Just want to refer to Pasuk in Parshas Ve'ira. It says as follows right after Amram remarried Yocheved, his wife. And it says in Perak Vav, Pasuchav, Vateled Lo as Aaron Ves Moshe. So they gave birth. They gave birth to Aaron and Moshe. The Sefer Hamorav Talmud says as follows. What's the focus here? What's it telling us? They gave birth. They gave birth to Aaron and Moshe. The message here is very powerful. It's coming to teach us that Aaron and Moshe, they were not born as Malachim. They were not born as angels. They were born as normal individuals, as normal people, little children. 
And it was only through their actions and their good decisions that they became the great individuals, the great leaders who they were. And he continues as follows, From here we can learn. Every individual, every person is able, has this potential by virtue of its hard work in life. And his good decisions that they can reach the greatest of levels as well. Somebody who puts those psukim over his bed to remember a Kaddish Baruch Hu constantly, a soldier that's in the army, that's able to be Messiah, complete Maseches Kiddushin in a few weeks with Tosos, those are extraordinary people. I don't often remember songs, any words in songs. I could hear it hundreds of times and not remember any words, but there is one song that I very much recall the words, and that's a very relevant song for us today. It's a song by Baruch Levine, and it's called Someone's Child. And I'm going to read extracts from it. He says, it's talking about a war in Ertishol. Everything was beautiful, but then the war hit. Our brothers in battle, Klal Yishol, unite. And then I'm going to read a stanza. It says, standing nearby, they see a woman cry. They approach her and ask, I quote, Can you tell us why? Is your child at war? What is it? What's wrong? They try to console her, to help her be strong. And she responds as follows, quote, No, it's not my son who has gone to fight. See, I know that my child, he will be all right. And she points to heaven. Through her tears, she smiled. It may not be my son. It may not be mine. But it's still someone's child. The refrain of that song is Kol Gisrael Aravim Zeh Lazeh. It may not be your child, but it's as if that's your child. Every time we see a chayal has been killed or has been injured, we have to remember that's somebody's son. That could be somebody's husband. It could be somebody's father. It's certainly someone's relative. And every time I see a picture, I look at these beautiful faces and I think these are extraordinary people who are being Moser Nefesh for Klal Yisrael. I want to play a voicemail that we received from one of the soldiers serving in Aza. Hi, Shalom Aleichem, Rav David. Uh, my name is Daniel Thwaites. I live in Modi'in. Uh, I'm a teacher. I'm a rabbi in the high school. I'm a big fan of the show. Uh, and I've also spent the last three months in Miloim. I'm serving Mamash uh, in Gaza. Uh, obviously, I haven't really had time to catch up on all the episodes of the show that I missed so far. Um, but I thought it was important that, you know, that be a perspective a little bit from what guys, you know, what's going on inside the, uh, of Gaza. Obviously, there's a lot to talk about. But um, first of all, uh, you know, Amistad is incredible. I spent the last three months with the biggest range of people. Um, from across the religious and political spectrum, um, all groups that you find in Israel were together with us in our, in our company, in our Pluga, uh, and we were incredibly united um, together. You know, we had the same sense of purpose. We knew what we were doing, despite all the differences between us. Um, we were so close with each other and so united behind our goal. Um, and it doesn't matter who they were, uh, religious or not religious, everyone kind of cared about each other and talked for each other. Um, when we, you know, managed to put together the beginning, which we really did inside Gaza and Jabalia, we had a million here and there. Um, people would offer to join and help out because they knew they cared about each other. Um, and even within, you know, Jabalia, 
um, and other places that we were in Gaza, we were able to, you know, <laughs> keep these for learn to laugh. Um, we had all sorts of interesting questions about kashrut, about Shabbat, um, in terms of learning, you know, didn't always have a lot of time, but when we did have time, we were able to learn. Um, <coughs> we had a copy of the, the Minchas Rasha that was printed by uh, Rav Tavik the organization Salash, that gave us a lot of chizuk, um, that it was really, really special to see. Uh, we were there for Hanukkah. Um, the religious soldiers, you know, went to great efforts to bring Hanukkah candles. Uh, and because we're infantry soldiers, whenever you bring in this thing, that means you have to carry it with you. So every setel, every Hanukkah candle, every Hanukkah, whatever else it is, you're carrying with you on your back in addition to all the, you know, heavy, heavy weight that you already have with your with your uh, ammunition, with your food, with it, whatever else you're carrying with you. Um, so it was real example of missing one left across the board. Um, and it really was incredible to see everything together. together. And Rath Hashem, we should be able to continue in the, you know, once in years. And to remember this, to continue to be together, and we should only hear good news. All the best. In addition to that voicemail, I also want to read an email that we received here at Headlines. And he says as follows, the reason for contacting Headlines, Hakaras Hatov. And the message is as follows. His name is Rip Kalman Flax, F-L-A-K-S. Thought it might bring you nachas to hear. I was washing dishes in my reserves unit on Tuesday when I switched on your podcast. I heard about the program Rabbi David Gottlieb is doing to encourage Torah on basis, and I decided to immediately reach out to him. My unit is being Messiah, our service in two weeks, and now, inspired by your show with Rabbi Gottlieb's organization's help, they are sending me Meseches Megillah Mechulak, that means that it's divided up, the Meseches Megillah, so they can divide it between the various soldiers in the unit. And it says, My unit is planning to be Messiah Maseches Megillah Mitzvah Goreres Mitzvah. He also says he's working on his podcast, Kalman Stories, throughout his reserves. He's working on it. And the podcast that we had was of inspiration to him, Yasha Koyach. So there we had a show on Hakaras Atov, which is a chiyuv, it's a halachic obligation. And I want to thank Rab Kalman for his Hakaras Atov. I also want to say, before we go on to the riddle, that we should daven for the protection of all of the chayalim, but also all of those who have been injured, that they should have a refua shalema. And also we should daven for all of the parents, spouses, children, friends, relatives of those who have been killed in battle, that they should have a refuas hanefesh. And now let's hear our relevant riddle of the week. Parshas Ve'era, the first Pasuk in Parachas, it says at the beginning of the second Maka, the second plague, Tzvardeya, Tzvardeim, frogs, bring them up. Vaha'al es asvardiyim, bring them up out of the Nile. That word vaha'al, question, how many times does that show up in Chumash? Okay, two times, maybe more, but I'll focus on two times. Vaha'al et asvardiyim, two times. The other one is where it talks about Aaron when he's about to pass away at Hor Ha'ar, a Kaddish Baruch who says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Kach es Aaron ve'selazar b'no vaha'al osam Hor Ha'ar. Moshe Rabbeinu, take Aaron, take Elazar, and take them up to Hor Ha'ar. And the question for the riddle is, what's the connection between vaha'al, the coming up of the frogs, and the coming up of Aharon to Hor Ha'ar? 
Okay, I'm actually going to give an answer, and the riddle is going to be to find a different answer or different answers. So the answer that I saw brought by Lukute Svasemis is as follows: Kikashem Shekan Gilu Nefesh. Here, when it came to the Maka of the frogs, Svardeya, Svardeim, that they showed Mesirus Nefesh in order to do the mitzvah of Akadosh Baruch Hu, even though it would lead to their death, their definitive death. The same thing when it came to Aharon, he went up to Horhahar in order to be Moser, his nefesh, in order to be Mekayim, the mitzvah of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, obviously the connection to what we're seeing in Aza and the topic of our show, the Mesiris Nefesh of the Chayalim, is exactly on point. But the riddle then is to find an additional answer to the connection between Baha'al, Baha'al, one by the Makav Tzvardim, and one by Aharon going up to Hor Hahar. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, like that's the country code, 33011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's... Uh, Zero two three seven two zero three oh four. And now let's go and hear from our guests. Joining us now is Rav Yosef Tzvi Rimon. Rav Rimon is the Rosh Yeshiva of the Jerusalem College of Technology. He is the author of some beautiful svarim that I use every single day. He's actually a Magid Shira Posek. He's the Rav of Gush Etzion, and he's also a Rosh Kolel at Yeshivat Har Etzion and so much more. Rav Rimon, thank you so much for joining us. Terrific. I have so many halacha questions I want to ask you, but before we do that, I'd like to hear on a high level, you get thousands of shilas from the war going on right now. What would you say are some of the challenges, the difficulties that the soldiers in Gaza and up north are facing right now? Well, we have to know that the soldiers today are very, very special. I think almost half of them are and all the time you see how they deal with questions. You can see the high level of uh, morality of our soldiers. So there are questions, you know, about bodies, parts of bodies, and things like these are very tough. But uh, I don't think that those are the questions that uh, it's the right thing to speak right now. The other uh, questions that sometimes there are questions of uh, things in the field. Someone is killed, and how much do you need to risk yourself to take his body when they're shooting at you? Things like this that all the time soldiers are facing. And there are other shalot that connected to tefillah, when they're in a place that it's full with death, but they want to pray. Do they have an option to pray? Once an American rabbi asked me, give me a shayla of a soldier in the war. And I told him something connected to praying with death also. And he said, he doesn't need to pray, he's anus. And I told him, 
I get thousands of questions from army soldiers. They never want permission not to pray. Every one of them wants to pray. And sometimes there are questions that, you know, that uh, are not so tough, but you see uh, Jewish uh, ideas, Hanukkah. I got a, a, a shayla that was a secret then. Now it's not secret. And they told me when they are lighting Hanukkah candles, they have to close the room and everything that they want to see the light, the Arabs, because then Hamas will vomit. And then they had an idea. They said, kilometer from us, there's an empty building. No one's there. We want to light their Hanukkah candles in Shkia, in the window, and to leave it there till night. And at night, the Arabs will bomb this building instead of us. Sounds like a good idea. So they asked, can they say bracha on it? And I saw they are so anxious to say bracha. They want to say it. They feel the whole energy of it. I told them, you know what? Davender, Mincha, and Mayriv. And then it will be like shul and make bracha. And then watch bracha. Go and light all of them. They were so happy. You know, they feel like Hashem, Kodosh Baruch who leads them in the world. Chanukah candles and bracha. And Alan Nisim to say there in this house. Shasan Nisim la'avotenu v'ayim v'zman hazeh. And after a few hours to watch the Arabs, how they bomb this building. Wow. They should go around and light in a lot of buildings that they're not in. <laughs> Let the Arabs do the work for them. I, you, you mentioned the issues with bodies, and I agree. Let's not talk about when it comes to Jewish bodies. I, I did hear an interesting shayla. I was speaking with a chayal who's in Tzanchan. He's in paratroopers. And he said that you often see the bodies of the, the terrorists lying on the ground. And that led to an interesting question. Would they have an obligation to cover up or bury those bodies? Although they're the terrorists, but maybe there's an obligation to not leave it overnight. So I wanted to get your psak on that one. So, you know, it's interesting because Goim are not ordered to bury their bodies. But we are ordered usually to, bear, uh, to, to, to put in Kvura where also a Jewish body, Shulchan Aruch in Yoredea, in Shin Zain. And, you know, our army in Israel, they have a special cemetery for those people in the Bikata Yarden, near Gesher Adam. They have a special place that they bury all their bodies. But in wartime, you don't need to bury anyone. First of all, we are now in war. You should concentrate in war and not, don't think on other things. Second thing, also if you have to bury Goim, it's not so obvious that you need to bury murders. And third thing, now you are dealing with things that will bring the soldiers to have high moral, morale, high morale. And they, to start burying uh, terrorists, this is not the thing that you need to do. Right now, okay, so they move them someplace, they cover them, you know, they don't leave them like this. But I don't think it's the time that they need to deal with it at all. That makes sense. That makes sense. You said that the, the soldiers are concerned to daven. It's very interesting. Oftentimes we try to find excuses to not do mitzvahs and they're finding reasons to do mitzvahs. It's just a beautiful thing. I do know that one of the challenges, and there's so many challenges of being in, in Gaza right now, is that they don't have water. And you have chayalim that have not showered for, for weeks and, and months if they've been in for that amount of time. There's just no water for that. They have their drinking water. They carry it in their pack and they're not carrying showers with them, obviously. And I heard of a situation even when finally after about 40 days, they were brought to a place to shower and there was no water. So how about when it comes to tefillah davening? At what point would you say that I am not proper, I'm not clean enough to, to be able to daven, put on talis, put in tefillin and say a shmona esrei? Look, it's complicated because on one hand, netilat yadayim and washing your hands is something that uh, we need to do before tefillah and uh, following Rambam 
in Ilchot Fila in Perek Daled, it seems that this is one of the things that are Me'akevet Fila, but lots of Achronim are dealing with it, and following Biur Halacha, it seems that it's Mitzvah Nechatchila, and maybe it's not the same Tfila, but it is Tfila. And I think that Rambam spoke on someone in normal conditions that he can wash his hands. If he doesn't wash his hands, it's like uh, to, to do zilzul in tefillah. It's like it doesn't respect tefillah. It's not like dirt. When you have dirt, so then you have a problem. Dirt is something, Gemara in Brachot Cafe and other places speaks about uh, the Kedusha that you need and if it's dirt. But Nekriyut Yadayim, it's not that you have dirt. Uh, it's, you need to be a mortar hole for tefillah. And I think that because the Choynim says it's okay if you have no water, but I think in this case of Chayalim, they have no option, and I think that this tefillah is more acceptable than normal tefillah. When Chayal is in danger, and what he wants to do is tefillah, I don't think that Kodesh Baruch is makpid, that there is no water right now, and I have to say, this machloket, if tefillah is the right or the Rabbanan, Rambam and Ramban, but everyone agrees that tefillah, Pishat Milchama is the right. So this is a special opportunity to do tefillah, to keep tefillah the right, and because of this, I think that because it's not dirt, it's just tahara, so not just that it can daven, but I think it's a ma'ala gedola. Tefillah be'it tzara. Tefillah be'it tzara. You mentioned before the going into the building, so that raises an interesting question uh, from Baba Kama, going into buildings uh, and, and using it without paying. So is there any problem going into buildings using it, and we'll talk about using the buildings because we could say Zenenev is a little chaser, or maybe maybe it is chaser when you have uh, 20 chayalim in your apartment. How about using the apartment and also people have left food, I understand they left rice and stuff. So what are the issues with using their apartments, their homes, using their cooking utensils, the kalim and the food as well? Would, would there be a problem of stealing because also stealing is us or from goyim, or is that not going to be a, a problem in this situation? So I want to tell you, in this war, a soldier, not in Gaza, but in Jenin, called me and said that he's in an empty house of an Arab, and he said, my cell phone is going to be out of charge of batteries soon. My charge it in the electricity of the Arab, or maybe it's Gezel. Now, I don't think it's a problem at all, but I would like you to search for another soldier like this in the world, see the high level of the Musar, of the morality of, of our soldiers. No one in the world, not Russia, not United States, not anyone, is like Chayelet Tzvaganali said. Just to understand the high level, they can speak everywhere, but they don't know the, the reality, what's going on. Now actually, the Torah says that we may take everything in wartime. The Torah says in Dvarim, Perekaf, Kol Shlala, Tavoz, asher natan Hashem The Torah says you, have, you may use everything because Hashem gave it to you. And uh, there is lots of uh, discussions in Rishonim, in Achonim, and Tshuva in Shudvar Avraham, and Beit Alevi, that it's uh, that Kibush, when you are now in the war, maybe it's like Kinyan, it's yours. So on one hand, when you now in the battlefield, you can use everything. And this is not just by Torah, it's also by the law of the armies in all over the world. 
you can use everything. But I told the soldiers, in Gaza, use everything. But don't take anything out of Gaza. Home, don't take anything. Just in Gaza. Why? In Gaza, they may use it because they're there. They need food. They need showers. They need everything. This is war. They can take, of course, they can take uh, lots of things like rice and other things they can cook. I told them also uh, that they can cook in the saucepans of the Arabs, although it's not kosher. Maybe if you want, I can speak about it in a minute, in a minute. But I told them they can use all those things. But why not to take home? According to Alaha, they can take home. According to the army laws, they cannot take home. But I told them, look, maybe, maybe according to Alaha, you could take. But because now in a wartime, you are dealing with killing with things that are not natural farmers, so we're doing them because we understand sometimes to kill is to bring uh, shalom, to bring peace to the world. When you are dealing with killing, be careful not to have any joy from it. Not to take things home, we have to be clean. In the army, you need it because now it's a war. You need to eat, you need to shower, okay, everything is okay. You go home, don't take anything, be clean. Interesting, Svara. How about Dina de Malchusa Dina? If that's the army policy, would we say that they're not allowed to take home even though halacha permits? So of course, in any case, they have to do it because of the army rules. But I uh, prefer also to give them chizuk. behind it. Feel, yeah. Very, very good. Uh, how about if they find money, jewelry, etc.? I mean, you said that they shouldn't bring things home. I did hear one of the chayalim told me that as they go through, they're searching for ammunition. And they are not searching for ammunition to use it. They want to search through ammunition to blow it up, to get rid of it. So when people come back, they won't have ammunition. And he said something very interesting. He says that the people who search the best, they're finding the most ammunition. They're also finding a lot of jewelry and stuff along the way. And in any case, it's going to be blown up. So shalal would be permitted. Taking it would be permitted halachically. It's going to be blown up after they leave because they're not leaving buildings, many buildings standing. So it's really just al hashkafa. Even if it's jewelry, it could be very valuable. You would tell the chayalim not to take it back with them. So because what I told you before, I would tell them not to take it. First of all, because this is the law following the army. And secondly, because I don't want any joy. Leave it there. May it be a symbol for what will happen to the Hamas afterwards, that they will blow up all of them and uh, don't take home anything. Okay, very good. And, and when it comes to the use of the kalim, the, the pots, the pans, etc., is it because it's certainly not a ben yomo that it would be permitted? So I think that there, sometimes it's no problem. They have time, they can kosher them, but usually they have no time. And usually they are in a building and after a few days it's bombed and they're going to another building. And uh, Ben Yomo, not Ben Yomo, I'm not going now to all the lambdas here, but no Ben Yomo is Gzera of Chazal. And we can understand that Chazal, everyone agrees that no Ben Yomo seems that it's no problem at all by itself. Just there's, maybe you'll have a mistake and you'll use something that was in 24 hours that you used in 24 hours, it is Benyomo, but uh, because it's something that it's not a problem in the saucepan, just maybe you'll be a mistake and use something else. So when you're in wartime, and wartime, maybe, maybe you even allowed to do more things following Ramba, maybe even to eat not kosher. We won't say that, but something that is kosher, not just Gzeira, this is something that should be permitted in any case in, in wartime. 
Okay, makes sense. I have a non-chayal question, This, but this is a wartime question. And, and it came up, I was loving in a, in a show Friday night, uh, not too long ago, and a siren went off. And we all heard it, it was very loud. And the entire minion went to a miklat, went to a bomb shelter. Not everyone went. I think we lost a lot of people along the way. So we went down, there must have been 50 people in the shul and in the miklat, in the bomb shelter, we've had 20 people or something like that, including the chazan. He was still wearing his talis and he had a sitter with him. And we had a discussion, should we wait the 10 minutes and go back to the shul and maybe there's going to be another siren because a missile is coming in or should we just dive in in the miklat? And we decided we're going to dive in in the bomb shelter and somebody said afterward, that we should not say the birkas me'ain sheva. That's the bracha after the Shemona Esrei, ma'gen avos bidvaro, because he quoted Shulchan Aruch, that if you have a minyan arai, for example, a base avel, if you just happen to have a minyan and a base avel, you would not say that that bracha after the Shemona Esrei of Marev. And that became the discussion, and, and uh, some people had the view, I won't say what I said, but some people had the view we should sh- say it because this was the same meaning as the shul, and we didn't want to relocate, we just had to relocate to the to the bomb shelter because there was a siren that went off, but this is the meaning of the shul that we just moved over to the miklat, and another group of people said this is now a minyan, all right, it's not a permanent minion, it's a one-off minion, and we should not say the bracha. So how would you come out, and I, I've looked this up in your safer, which is beautiful, Shabbos Krachdalet, it was it was great to use your safer. So how would you pass it on this issue? So first of all, on all this, I wrote also Tshuva in my Sefer Shilotu Tshuvot, Pelach Harimon, Chelek Aleph, because in COVID, we had it also. All those things, similar questions, you were davening outside and raining, and you have to go there. And uh, on the bottom line, it's true that it's not clear uh, the answer on this, but because there are poskim following Kabbalah, that they think that any case you have to say, uh, not like Shulchan Aruch, that you have to say Magen Avot with Bracha. And because it is a minyan just transferred, I think there is a big svar to say Magen Avot because it's a minyan keva. And we can bring the other system as a suffix here to, to join this. Uh, uh, but I think both systems, Yeshal Malismoch. And, and this happened to be in Yushalayim, by the way. Okay, so maybe we can add more, maybe. Because in, in your safer, you said that the Minag in Yushalayim is to always say it. Right, right. So maybe we can add it also, the Petzvah in Yushalayim. Very good. Okay, one one last question. I'd, I'd love to hear about one, two interesting shilas that, that have come across your desk that you had to answer, unique, hopefully from the Chayalim, talking about the challenges that they have. We'd love to hear more of uh, what you're hearing. Okay, so I, I get lots of them, and I'll share quickly uh, one or two. Maybe I'll start with Eshet Chayal, with the wife of Chayal. I got a telephone call from a wife of Chayal, and she says... They're a young couple, but they are married already a long time, no children. They're trying all the time to be pregnant. And she said, just now, I got a positive answer. I'm, I'm pregnant. My husband is in Gaza, and he's no cell phone in Gaza. But once in 10 days, they, give, they find one cell phone, and everyone rings for two minutes. And then she says, I know that he's going to ring tomorrow, the day after tomorrow. I want very much to share with him that I'm pregnant. But I don't know if I'm allowed to do it because I know that Rambam says that in war time, Ali Yachshov, don't think, Lo Alishto, Velo Aliladav. In war time, don't think not on your wife, not on your children. Concentrate just to protect Am Israel. Understand that you are doing the war of God. And she says, I want to share it with you, but I don't know, I don't know if I'm, I'm allowed. You know, just to hear something like this and say, wow. And Alam Yisrael, no one is like Amisrael. 
Amazing Shaila. Yes. Actually, the tshuva is not important here. The Shaila is more important. Uh, this is a big suga here because Rambam Rabbeinu Yonah Pacha, what is exactly on the bottom line I told her, tell me, when you'll tell it, say to your husband, will he be, have chizuk from it or will he be uh, worried? She thinks a minute and she says, it depends how will I say it. If I'm going to cry, he'll be worried. If I say the simcha, it will give you the chizuk. Not okay, you have a day and a half, cry. When he calls you, try to be in simcha, and if you can be in simcha, then tell him. Beautiful. Uh, Love to hear another one. Okay, another one, and then I'm running to give a shiur. <laughs> uh, so I was uh, going in a car to visit soldiers. I go a lot to visit soldiers, a lot. Uh, the suit that I'm wearing now, I don't change from Simchat Torah. I just gave it to wash just on Shabbatot because this is a holy suit. I hugged with it thousands of soldiers in the south, in the north, before they went in Gaza. And uh, I was going to visit soldiers and I get a telephone call. Someone from Gaza, an officer says that there are a few weeks already in Gaza. They are going out for a short break. This break is 18 hours. They are not permitted to go home because they need to be the Konenut. They need to be ready any minute. They can call them back. And they're going to stay in a hotel in Ashkelon. All of them, hotel, it's not hotel, sorry, in an army base in Ashkelon. But it's a little better than an army base, it's Kfar Nofesh. Army base in Ashkelon, there are eight soldiers in a room, but they have food, they have shower. And then he says they're going to be in Ashkelon two hours before Shabbat. And they're going to stay till Shabbat morning, and then they're going back in Gaza. So I told him, it's okay, you are in war now, you can do it, although you'll have to return on Shabbat to Gaza. And then he says, Rabbi, this I already know. I didn't call you for this. I said, okay, so what's your question? And he says, I want to ask if our wives and children can come and visit us before Shabbat, although they'll have to drive back on Shabbat home. Wow. I told him, look, how can I give you a hater for this? You know, for you to go home, but for the wives. And he says, Rabbi, you know, we are all young couples with small children. We didn't see our wife for a few weeks. We are going in Gaza. Who knows for how long? Who knows when we will see them? If we will see them? You know, sometimes as a Rebbe, I feel stuck because I want them so much to be together. Of course they must be together, but what can I do? Shabbos. And when something like this happens, you have to do two things. First of all, to pray. And secondly, to think out of the box. I asked him, tell me, are there hotels in Ashkelon? And he says, Rebbe, I don't know, but we are young couples. We have no money for hotels now. I asked him, how much does it cost? How many people are you? By chance, or by Siata Dishmaya, usually when I go to visit soldiers, other things, I'm in my car with my assistant. And if the group is coming with me, I'm American, so other people, they go with a bus, with a car. But a rabbi from Teaneck, New Jersey, Mnei Shurun, Rabbi Zetz, was in my car. And he heard it. He knocks on my back and he says, Arav, anachnu neshalem. We will pay. And I tell this Kayal, uh, how many people? How many? said, I don't know, I'm going back in, in Gaza. I'll ask my wife to do it. I go to visit soldiers. I came back. She gave me a list. Till two o'clock, I was with the owner of the hotel. The hotel was empty. He came uh, to, to, uh, to work on it. Friday morning, I woke up and I said, those women are going with children to the hotel. You know, children in hotel can be wow, but can be also a punish. What do you do with small children in hotel? 
I told people from my community in Alon Shmut, go and buy toys for the children. They asked me, which toys? I said, wait a minute. I called this Eshet Chayal, this woman, and I told her I want a list of all the families. And every family, all the children and the ages of the children. Wow. I told the, the team in Alon Shmut, now go and buy for each family toys according to the children in the family. And then I said, there are also wives that are not children. What do we give them? I told another woman, you got, buy creams for them. I added one of my books. I have books for Am Israel, but I have also books for family editions to learn on Shluchan Shabbat with questions and answers. I have on Ben Adam Chavero and Tfila and Shabbos. I added my Shabbos book and a letter. I changed a name that will be personal. They went to give it in the hotel. On this Shabbat, 180 women and children stayed in the hotel. I got so many messages for them to say, wow, you don't understand how it was important for us. We were together. We ate 300 people, all the lugar, all the unit together with the commander. It was, wow, it gave us such a chizuk for us and for the soldiers. And when you hear this, you understand, wow, it's so important. Sometimes you have to give halacha answer. And sometimes when halacha uh, cannot allow, think out of the box and Hashem, we have to see uh, Dishmaya to do uh, other things. And I'll just end and I'll say that unfortunately, a few weeks ago, the commander was wounded. Their commander. He was in a risk, but they saved his life. I went to visit him in hospital and his Spain was wounded. And they don't know if he'll be able to walk anymore. He sits in the, lies in the hospital and tells me, Rebbe, you have to pray that I recover. I said, of course, I'm praying. You know, Rebbe, you have to pray that I recover quick. I said, of course. I said, Rebbe, you don't understand. I must return back to be with my soldiers in Gaza. To see someone there, wounded. He thinks all the time on Am Israel. And to be with the soldiers, on one hand, we have people that were killed and wounded and captured, and it's very sad. But on the other hand, we have to feel we are in redemption time. We are Mashiach is close. You see Am Israel, you see Am Israel together, the unity. You see Am Israel that are going everywhere to protect Am Israel, and they don't think on themselves, they think on Am Israel. We have the best nation in the world. Hashem is with us, and Vezrat Hashem, we are going to win. Rav Rimon, I want to thank you so much for joining us. You've given so much inspiration. We were going to talk about trauma and difficulties, and you've been unbelievably inspiring, and you should have tremendous koach to continue in your Avodah Sakodesh. Thank you so much. Amen. Joining us now is Professor Yisrael Amin. Professor Amin is a world-renowned mathematician, and he is a professor at the Center for the Study of Rationality at Hebrew University in Yerushalayim. He received the Nobel Prize in Economics in 2005 for his work on conflict and cooperation through game theory analysis. Unfortunately, he lost a precious son approximately 40 years ago in the Lebanon War, and we're here to discuss Hopefully, in Nechama, that parents who are experiencing similar things right now, and even parents who have children in the army who, Bezrat Hashem, will not experience such things, how can they think about what they're going through right now? Professor Amin, thank you so much for joining us. I'm uh, happy to uh, be with you. Let me let me just make one remark, okay? You say uh, um, my son was killed in the uh, Lebanon War. Okay, now... Uh, um the, the the name of this um war or campaign was the peace for galilee campaign okay and that i i think we should stick to that name because uh the lebanon war is th- that word is 
it's the product of of a, a sort of a conflict in Israel, a simmering conflict. Yeah, now, Lebanon war has this connotation that we were going and doing things in Lebanon that we should have not been doing. It was some kind of adventure or something like that, yeah? Uh, some kind of... Uh, whereas Peace for Galilee really uh, it really describes what we really want. <laughs> we want to be uh, left uh, to, to create a Jewish community in Israel in in Galilee, but also in uh, in Beersheba and in Beri and in and in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. We want to to be able to create and and that is what we want. We don't want adventures in Lebanon. And you would apply that as well to every other battle that Israel has had to engage in. It has not been offensive. It's been defensive to protect the citizens of Israel and protect our way of life. Exactly. <laughs> We're not out to to uh, capture Lebanon or something like that. Uh, uh, we are out to uh, to protect ourselves. Uh, and and okay, so maybe there would be some people who would call the current uh, conflict uh, the the Gaza War. Okay. <laughs> But that's uh, you see that's uh, it's inappropriate. We we are not uh, we're not out to um, we're not out to make life miserable for the citizens of uh, uh, for the for the social being the inhabitants of, of Gaza. Uh, it's true that they hate us, but uh, we're not out. To, to make life miserable, that's not the purpose of this uh, this operation. No, right, ab- absolutely correct. Absolutely agree with you. But where would you like to see to see things go right now in the Gaza peace for the Gaza areas? Where would you like to see things go at this point? Where I would like to see things go, I'm not sure they're going that way. But uh, I, I think the our big, big, big mistake was the uh, expulsion of the Jews from the Gaza Strip in 2005. Gush Katif. Uh, that's 18 years ago. Okay going on 19 years ago. Uh, and that was a big mistake, and Jews have been uh, expelled by... Uh, there have been lot, lots of expulsions of Jews, yes. We had an expulsion from Spain, we had expulsions from England, we had expulsions from various parts of Russia, and so on. Uh, but the Jews have never expelled themselves, okay? They have never, uh, it, it's a first uh, for Jews expelling Jews. Now, I, I would like to see uh, the Jews going, coming back into Gaza. I don't know whether that is uh, in the cards at the moment, but that's what I would like to see, because we really, we really cannot depend on anybody else to see to our interests. We have to be in Gaza we we have to be in an area to see to our interest. Nobody else, not the certainly not the UN, but also not the United States. And the United States is not about to send soldiers into Gaza, not about to do that. But even if they were, yes, the United States does not. Uh, they it's friendly, okay, 
Her point. It, it, it has its own interests, okay? And that's, that's, uh, that's, that's okay. That's fine. We have our interests, and, and, and we cannot uh, we cannot maintain a uh, body, uh, an army in Gaza without having a Jewish presence there, because that is really colonialism. I mean, the the uh, the um, the uh, the world, uh, or the Arabs, not the world. The Arabs accuse us of of colonialism. Yes, and if we would, uh, if we would. Uh, uh, have uh, an army there without having uh, 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 without having a, 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 a civilian presence there, then this, this would really be colonialism. Right, that makes sense. So, well, why don't we transition talking to the parents? It's not only parents, wives, children, etc., who have a son or a husband or a father fighting in Gaza, not only Gaza, unfortunately, we're on multiple fronts right now up on the north and, and elsewhere in Judea and Samaria. What should they be thinking? How can they manage their stress, their worry, seeing that they have close relatives who are really in danger? Well, uh, what should I tell you? I mean, it's, uh, it, it is like uh, it, 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 they really are in danger and uh, it's really worrisome. It's worrisome for uh, the families. It's worrisome for the communities. Uh, I've already gone to several shivers. It's uh, not a picnic, okay? But that's what war is, okay? War is war, okay? People get killed in a war, yes? You don't want it to be your family. But sometimes it is your family. Sometimes it is. I'd love to hear about Shlomo. What happened? What were the circumstances of his passing? And uh, then I'd love to hear about how you have dealt with that loss. Okay, so my son uh, Shlomo, my oldest son, a beautiful boy, yes, but. Uh, you know, always the father said he really was a beautiful boy, uh, uh, extraordinary. He was extraordinary. Uh, let me I'll tell, tell a, talk a little bit about him. Um, uh, he um, was uh, in Hester. Okay, Hester is a program where uh, the uh, where people go uh, combine yeshiva study with uh, army service and you in a fighting unit okay so we're not talking about uh, people in the uh, orchestra of the army or in the uh, in the radio station of the army or anything like that but we're in a fighting unit and so he he went to yeshivat shalvim uh, which was at the time run by my brother-in-law, uh, Mayor Schlesinger. He was the Rosh Yeshiva. And uh, so he was a student in the Yeshivat Shalbim. And he combined that with army service in an armored unit, a part of the armored force, in other words, tanks uh, of, uh, of Israel. And, uh, in the operation peace for Galilee, and we mentioned that before, right? Uh, we, uh, we, um, he, he was called up for duty and, uh, and he was, uh, in, in the frontline unit in Lebanon. Yes. And this really did occur in Lebanon. And, uh, he was, 
uh, his tank was shot at and and uh, there was a direct hit in the tank and he was he was killed and um, so uh, there was uh, the funeral was attended by thousands of people you know <laughs> it's really unusual uh, they had uh, uh, they I think they were at least 5,000 people at that funeral. 5,000 people, you know, uh, uh, for uh, for uh, uh, a boy. Uh, he, 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 by the way, he was married. He was married and he had two children. He had one child at the time and his, his wife was pregnant with, uh, with his second child. After the funeral, you know, went home and started sitting shiva, yes. Now, the uh, place that we davened, yes, it was the yeshiva of uh, Rav Yisrael Gustman. Rav Yisrael Gustman was a, uh, a Holocaust survivor. He was the last Dayan of Vilna, okay? The last Dayan. Uh, and he went through all the hell of the Holocaust. And he came, and he was the very. I davened in his in his uh, in his basement and his yeshiva. He actually had a yeshiva in uh, my neighborhood in Jerusalem, and and um, I I used to daven there. And so he was. The, he came, and he was the. He came, and he was the very first visitor at the shiva okay so he came there was nobody in the room yet except the except my my uh, wife there was nobody at all, even yet we just opened the door and we sat down and uh, and uh, like two minutes later uh, of course when arrives he lost his only son in the uh, in the um holocaust uh, he lost his only son in the holocaust and he, he told the story of uh, um, how how it happened? He said the 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 Roshoim, okay. Uh, they used to load uh, uh, children on trucks, you know, you know, open trucks, uh, and they used to load them lying down horizontally, one layer of children over another layer, okay. Uh, and and his son was also taken away uh, in one of those trucks, and it was never seen again. Uh, and he told, he sat down opposite me uh, at the shiva, and you know it's a minute uh, uh, that the oval starts speaking. Okay, so when a visitor comes at the, at the shiva, the uh, the minute is for the for the um, for the visitor to sit quietly, like like the uh, like the companions of Eov. Okay, sit quietly, not say anything. Until the Orwell starts the conversation. So I saw Rav Guzman in front of me, a great man, a, a big, big Talmud Chochem. Uh, and uh, I saw him in front of me, so, you know, I didn't know exactly what to say <laughs> at that moment. And, uh, and so I was also silent for maybe 20, 30 seconds, something like that. And at that point, he, um, he, he violated the minute, he contravened the minute, okay? And he started talking, and he started talking about the uh, the Holocaust and his life in the Holocaust. And he told the story that I just told you about his son. And and so he finally he, he spoke quietly in Yiddish for 10, 10, 20, 
10, 15 minutes, something like that. And, and uh, then he, he, uh, he came to this, um, he came to this story that I just told you about his son being taken away. Uh, so his son was called Mayer, Mayer, that was his name. And, and he said, uh, well, Mayer is in the, in Olam Haba now, and he's together with your Shlomo, okay? And I want you to know that my Mayer He's together with Shlomo, and he is envious of Shlomo. Okay, so I said to him, "Why is he envious? Uh, why is he envious of Shlomo?" So Augustman said, "For three reasons. Three reasons. One reason is that my mayor, he was four years old. He had no choice. Yes, he had no choice." Uh, whereas your Shlomo, he chose his way, he chose his own way, and he went his own way. Okay, he chose his way. And the second reason is that my mayor could not resist. <laughs> he was uh, uh, defenseless. But your Shlomo did resist. He went in a tank. He went shooting in a tank. And he was, he went down fighting. And third, look what a life my mayor had, and look what a life your Shlomo had before he was killed. He had a beautiful life. He had a beautiful life. He he, he, he lived in Yisrael and he went to Yeshiva, and, and not only that, he, he went, uh, he, he, he went, uh, he really went all over the world, and, and, you know, he accompanied us when we were on sabbatical, and he went uh, hiking, and he, he was a beautiful. He wielded a camera, and 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 he, he played piano in a beautiful way. And he was a man of the world. Okay, he was a um, and uh, he led a beautiful life altogether. Look what a life my mayor said. So my mayor is envious of him for those three reasons. So if uh, we would apply apply those three reasons to people who have lost relatives in absolutely, absolutely, that is exactly the point. Uh, they chose their way and they led beautiful lives. They led beautiful lives, uh, uh, and and uh, and they they went down fighting. Yes, they chose their way. They went down fighting, and they led beautiful lives. Those three things are, are, are uh, yeah, so, so absolutely they apply to all those people who are now, who are now being, uh, um, who are now getting killed. <laughs> okay. By the way, they, they say uh, they, they, uh, this is especially prevalent in Israel, um, to say of somebody who was killed in the war, who nafal, who nafal, yes, he fell in the war, he fell. I don't like that term, yes, he didn't feel, he didn't fall, who lo nafal, who nerag, yes, he, 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 uh, he, he didn't pay, uh, fall down, yes, he was killed, okay? In the United States, uh, that, that uh, uh, he, he, one doesn't say he fell in the war, Right. And you, you see, he was killed in action. Okay, the the term is killed in action. Uh, you know, we call a spade a spade. The, this word falling has a, a connotation of some kind of uh, ineptness. Okay, right. and, and, uh, and and it's not at all inept. Going down fighting, that's the right word. Okay. Professor Amin, what was your reaction when Rav Gustman told you that story? 
well, I said, uh, um, I said, Nihamtani, Nihamtani. That, that, that's the word I use. Yeah. Professor Amin, I am sitting here literally in tears, having just heard a few hours ago that my Chavrusa lost his dear son, Yakir, in battle yesterday. That story was powerful, and Mirza Shem, it will act as a true Nechama to my Chavrusa, his wife, their family, and everyone else in Kalal Israel who has felt such a loss. Bezrat Hashem, based on what you've told us, they will be able to say, Nihamtani. That was a true Nechama for me. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Joining us now is Rabbi Mordechai Becher. Rabbi Becher is originally from Australia. He is currently an instructor at Yeshiva University, having taught at Or Sameach and Neve Yerushalayim. He served in the IDF and was also a senior lecturer for Gateways for 20 years. That's when I heard of you first, Rabbi Becher. In addition, he has a widely published author and he has been taught in almost every country I have ever heard of, Rabbi Becher. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Delighted to have you. I'm on for a number of reasons. Firstly, because I really enjoy your speaking. That's uh, that's uh, that's for sure. But I wanted to find out about currently you will get to you how you are feeling about because you have a couple of uh, sons in the army. But why don't we start with them? What are they doing in the army? What units are they in? And uh, we'll take it from there. Well, full disclosure, first of all, one of my sons um, who was in Sanchanim, that's paratroopers. He did paratrooper during his regular service. He was back in the States working um, as an IO psychologist. He got a Tzav Shmone, and uh, that's the emergency call-up for those who don't know, which came to an Israeli address. And he left his job and came to Israel. So he was serving the paratroopers in the north um, for the first half of the war. Then the second half, he's been down south. And uh, he was actually released. His unit was released yesterday. So uh, he's out for the moment, or Hashem, he's uh, but he was down south. Their unit in the north was primarily guarding the border, vigilance against Hezbollah. And in the south, uh, he has been uh, his unit has been um, escorting transports of uh, casualties and supplies and providing security for that going in and out of Gaza. Uh, that's one son. The other son, who is married, is a lawyer, lives in Israel, three kids. Uh, he was called up on the day on October 7th. Um, and he uh, was down the next morning. He was in Khermesh. Uh, that's Khelragli um, Mishuyan. How you say in English? Uh, yeah, it is uh, uh, armored infantry. They accompany tanks in APCs, armored pers uh, personnel carriers. Um, he had served in Givati prior to that, but in Miluim, he's in uh, he's in the armored armored infantry. They were down in Kibbutz Be'eri the morning after. The next morning, they were there already, um, and his unit was tasked with, of course, you know, uh, protecting um, the border, which was wide open. Uh, there were terrorist infiltrations. They captured some, they killed some. And, um, you know, there was no surveillance that, that was down. The radar was down. The fence was down. So his unit was down there already at the beginning. He uh, was wounded um, a few weeks in by uh, shrapnel um, uh, and uh, he was evacuated out. And uh, he was, uh, thank God, he's okay. He's um, the army has been uh, has a excellent rehab program at Hadassah, 
Harat Sufim and other places. So they have all the therapists in one place. So he's going for therapy a few days a week and Baruch Hashem expecting uh, full recovery. Um, and uh, that's so that's the that's so, so the technically I don't have uh, neither son is in. I mean they are. Uh, so, but but they have been in until yesterday, and until he was the other one was wounded. Um, I have um, yeah many relatives who are in etc. Yeah, your son should have a refuah shalema. So they, they, between the two of them, they've had very varied experiences: being up on the north, being down on the south, being in Barry the day after. Yeah. Talk talk with us about what they have shared from their experiences. For example, morale, their morale. Morell in the army and and what keeps them motivated? Three months in in a grueling war, yeah. what, what what keeps them going? Well, first of all, just um, point by point, one has shared with me what he experienced, and it was it was not the type of thing that anyone wants to see. Uh, being the day after, um, as you can imagine, um, and uh, what they saw, I think, still affects him. Uh, the uh, as far as morale goes. I got to say, it's incredible and excellent for both of them. It's it's astounding to me how people so young um, can have such incredible uh, hope and emuna and uh, motivation. Uh, they both understand that uh, what they're involved in is protecting the Jewish people, and they see that as a paramount primary mitzvah, um, literally pikuach nefesh, um, and milchemes mitzvah, and that's what you know motivates him. I my son told me that um, when he was at JFK in the first week of the war, you know, getting going back to his unit, and uh, so uh, he's with a whole bunch of us. A guy came a guy came out to him and he said, "Are you going to Israel?" He says, "Yeah." He gave him a dollar, his shliach mitzvah geld. So my son said he said to him, "Thank you," but what he was thinking was, he said, "Are you serious? <laughs> I am going." To save Jewish lives, right? I am going to protect the Jewish people in the state of Israel, and that's not enough of a shlichus. You've got to give me a dollar. <laughs> the, the dollar was to get him home afterward. Uh, as the Gemara says. But in any case, you are yeah. But he that's just true. thought it was somewhat amusing just to give you his mindset. He said, "What are you serious?" <laughs> so their morale is high and. I have not, I've spoken to other soldiers, um, their morale is high, and I have a cl- very, very close friend here who has a son in Yahalom, which is the tunnel engine, the engineering unit that's fighting in the tunnels. His son is literally, was under Al Shifa Hospital. Uh, he's got another son in Sayeret Matkal, another one in Shaldag. These are both tier one uh, elite units who are in the thick of it. He can't sleep at night, you know. He's uh, you know, the father. Uh, yeah, but the son's morale is is high. Yeah. <laughs> so so, so let, let's bring it on to you because we're hearing that the soldiers, because they're very motivated, they really have their goals. They're doing a tremendous mitzvah, protecting Klal Yisrael. They're keeping their eye on the ball. They're focused and they have their goals and they're going to accomplish it. The parents, maybe on the other hand. How are they dealing with the situation? They know the risks. They've got their jewels, their their children <laughs> on the line. They've got their children on the line. So how, how are they handling it? How are you handling it? Um, so a few a few things. Um, a, maybe this will sound strange, but I feel more connected to the people of Israel uh, and the people living in Israel who have been going through this for 75 years. Uh, how many Israelis... Uh, spouses and parents have waited up at night 
uh, have waited for a phone, 1948, 1967, 1973, 1982, 1985, etc., etc. I, I do take comfort in being part of sharing in some of that tsar of the Jewish people. I don't know if that sounds strange, but uh, that does that does help knowing that I'm part of that. Um, tefillah, prayer, davening, uh, <laughs> I know has been, my davening has been enhanced <laughs> by, by this uh, situation. And it's also very helpful to have people to talk with, uh, especially people who can relate to the situation. I'm part of a few WhatsApp groups of parents of soldiers, etc. Um, but but I think I find it more helpful that I have close friends. Um, my wife, obviously, closest of all, um, but uh, other friends who you can talk to who can relate to that, who are in the same situation. Right? I do find it sometimes a little disconcerting. The um, what, what's the what's the term tone deaf uh, uh, component of people who cannot relate. Especially, especially outside of Israel, and some some people in Israel um, who just don't really understand what it is. So I do try to avoid conversations with, <laughs> with a lot of people, just because it's um, disturbing how little they understand uh, what is happening uh, and what it means. So I'm coping with it, as I said, through uh, feeling part of Klal Yisrael. That's always Cyrus Rabim Chetzi Nacham. I don't know exactly what that means, but 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 at least for me, part of that means that if I'm connected to the Jewish people, that gives me uh, a great comfort. Knowing that uh, my children are doing something of paramount importance, as the Rambam says in Hilchas Malachim or Milcham Oseihem, that the soldier has to know, Shal Kiddush Hashem Hu Oisem that he is fighting for the sanctification of Hashem's name. So knowing that is also a comfort. And as I said, tefillah and, uh, you know, to... Uh, as the Gemara says, when a person has pain in their heart, you can talk to it, to others, to have people with whom you can talk, who can relate, uh, and who you can unburden yourself to, I think is very, very uh, important. Right, absolutely. So if I could just end off asking you, if you could relate to our listeners here about any lessons you've learned or any messages you'd like to relate to them. Yeah, that's that's a little. I, don't, I think it, I, I got to say that I know people are thinking, well, it's already two months in. It's but I don't know if it's early enough for me to have fully absorbed all the lessons. But I can tell you a couple of things. A, um, and I've been learning through the a few times the Ramchal has something called Drush Al Hakivui, the sermon on hope. It's a short piece. Uh, there, there are svarim that expound it, expand it, and expound on it. Um, but the idea of tikva, of hope, the Ramchal says, is the most essential component for a Jew to live with. Um, and uh, one of the things he points out is that the tikva, the middle letters are kav. And as we know from Sefer Yoshua, that uh, Rachav ties a, a ribbon or a rope around her window to indicate to the spies that of the Jewish army they won't destroy her. And it's called tikvas hashani, a rope of... So So the word tikva is a, is a, a thread or a line, kav, I feel that one thing I've learned is that you can't live without hope. Uh, tikva, and and it's a line. It's a line that a ties us back to our past because we know in this week's parasha, just look, uh, just this morning, Chumash Rashi, Shnei Mikra, etc. Eka Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, the name that I'll give to the Klal Yisrael is I will be. And Rashi there says, 
I will be with him in this Tzorah. I'll be with him in all future Tzorahs. There's a guarantee in Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim that Hashem will redeem us from every single uh, Tzorah, every single Golos. We will have a Geula. That's that's the that's the thread in the past. And that is ties us to the future, to the Geula HaAsidah. And as you know, there are many people who have a minhag after they say the animamins, after Shachris, they say Lushuasa, Kavisi Hashem, which was last week's parasha. I hope Hashem, and uh, you know, uh, that to me is 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 very important to think of that, uh, that Akkadish Borhu has placed us in a situation which is inc- unprecedented and incredible. Uh, almost Roiv Klal Yisrael's in Israel. I mean, not yet, but soon it will be Roiv. And uh, which will be amazing because that will kick in a whole bunch of Doraisa halochas, right? Bias kulchem, etc. And um, so there's that gives me hope. I mean, you know, if you would have spoken to someone a few hundred years ago and tell him that there'd be an army which is kosher, I mean, they have kosher food, which is incredible. Uh, I, I was in the army, and uh, part of my job was making sure the food was kosher, which is not easy. Battlefield conditions, etc. Um, that's incredible. And uh, they're speaking Hebrew, Lashon HaKodesh, which I should point out, even according to the Satmareba, modern Hebrew is Lashon HaKodesh, because one of his criticisms in his Sefer Viol Moshe is Israelis use it in everyday language. So obviously it's Lashon HaKodesh. So, uh, but, so that's, that, and, and living in, in Eretz Yisrael and doing, engaged in what the Ramban says, even Bizman Azez, the Mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, conquest of Israel, maintenance of the Jewish population in Israel, uh, that's unbelievable stuff. That gives me a lot of hope. And um, that, that, uh, that's one thing I've learned. And I think that's what the soldiers have, is they have that, that optimism and hope, which is incredible, that level of optimism. Uh, to quote Golda Meir, uh, who said, Jews don't have the, we don't have the luxury of being pessimists. And uh, you know, she was right. And, and you know, I, so that's, that's one lesson. A lesson number two, you can never uh, totally understand what someone else is going through. There's no such thing as as two people with exactly the same tests and 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 challenges and 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 pain and so on and so forth. I know from being on the receiving end of those who are both on the one hand sensitive and understanding, etc., and it makes it, it just incredible how helpful that is. And on the receiving end of people who are clueless and uh, sometimes willingly, sometimes not, but and and tone deaf, etc. So just one thing I've learned: you've got just you've got to try to be just to to be open and sensitive to where the other person's coming from, what they're experiencing. You have no idea. You have no idea. Al tadines right? Um, and you know, that's an. I, I think don't judge your friend till you're in his place. I think that's an ad veloyad bichlal. That's a you know machloikus in the Gemara. <laughs> but I think that's you're never going to be there. Right? You're never so, going to get to somebody else's place. Exactly. It's never exactly. So those are two things I think I've learned. Uh, and, and number three, the importance of being this Chaber connected to Klal Yisrael, just how important that is. Very beautiful. Rabbi Bachar, I want to thank you so much for joining us. You should have Shomat Satzlacha. Your Amazing. son should have Shomat Satzlacha. And uh, the son that was injured should have Rufu Shlema along with the yeah. rest of the Hayalim. You know, we hear about the unfortunate numbers who are murdered by the terrorists. And we oftentimes forget about those that are maimed and damaged seriously. And that is imp- can impact their future lives. They should all have a tremendous Rufu Shlema. Amen. Amen. Thank you Thanks. for having me. Thank you for joining us. Shalom Aleichem, this is Ari Wasserman retaking the mic. A number of people requested to have a recap at the end, an outro as opposed to an intro, an outro, and maybe some takeaways so we can remember 
and incorporate into our lives after hearing a lengthy discussion on the show. So I will say as follows, I'll make a valiant attempt. A number of things come to mind. When it comes to Rav Ramon's interview, we can see the sensitivity, and he discussed this, the sensitivity necessary when rendering a psak. A posek has to know what is going on behind the question, and even, especially when it comes to a serious, difficult issue, even when you cannot find a hetter, it does sometimes require creativity in finding a solution. For example, how are we going to have with the men coming out of Gaza for such a short amount of time and it's over Shabbos, how can the family get together with them? We cannot permit traveling on Shabbos. It would be still Shabbos, not for pikuach nefesh purposes. So his solution was let's put up the families at a hotel, but it did not stop there. He went and he arranged for the hotels. And not only did he arrange for the hotel, he went and arranged for toys to be brought, purchased, and brought so even the little children could have an enjoyable Shabbos. And he arranged the financing, the funding for the hotel, and then another message, the unbelievable generosity of those from Chutzlaret, who are funding so much of the chesed that we see here going on in Eretz Yisrael. And I think here, the, the point when it comes to psak and creativity and going not just rendering a psak, but implementing the psak, implementing the creative solution is to be a gadol. It's not only about rendering a psak and being a Talmud Chacham. But to be a gadol requires so much more. It requires mido, sensitivity. That's what they feel. To be a gadol, that's necessary. Those midos are critical. At the Hexter Shiva on the very first day, which was actually only yesterday, the very first day, Rav Rimon shows up. And not only Rav Rimon, to be Menachem Avel, Rav Asher Weiss shows up. And not only Rav Asher Weiss showed up. The first morning, Rav Herschel Schachter shows up. He's in town, he's in the country now. And out of their unbelievably busy schedules, they are making the rounds to give a Nechama for those so desperately in need. Those are examples of Gedolim. We also heard a very powerful story from Professor Amin about Rav Gustman and his Hakarasa Tov to the soldiers. I want to tell another story of Rav Gustman. Rav Gustman in the Yeshiva Netzach Yisrael in Yerushalayim, Rechav in Yerushalayim, somebody had donated a garden. And Rav Gustman, the Rosh Yeshiva, one of the Gedoli Hador personally would water the garden, the plants, the shrubs, the bushes. He would personally be the gardener. At some point, and this went on for years, at some point, somebody said, Rav Gusman, let me take over you, for you. Maybe he said it's not proper, the Rosh Hashiva, or you have better use of your time. And Rav Gusman explained as follows why it was so important for him to be watering the plants in the garden. He says, during the Holocaust, when I was running from the Nazis, I was living in a forest, and I lived by eating from the trees and from the bushes and the shrubs and the plants. And I have tremendous hakarasa tov for the plants and the trees, and that's why I am now fulfilling my duty of hakarasa tov by watering the garden in Netzach Yisrael and his yeshiva. Tremendous hakarasa tov by one of the gedole hador, obviously. We need to follow suit in having tremendous hakarasa tov for those soldiers who are being moser nefesh on behalf of all Klal Yisrael.
Professor Amen, I was told recently by a student at Hebrew University, he's 93 years old, he's active on campus, he's a, a professor still. But one of the students at Hebrew University was saying how proud he was that he gets to go to pizza with Professor Amen on occasion. They get to have some pizza together. We have that same Mida of somebody who is a guddle in his own area, who is there for his students. That is somebody who is most nefesh for others. And last, Rabbi Becher. Rabbi Becher talked about the great morale, the hope, the amuna, the commitment of his sons and all of the soldiers to protecting Klal Yisrael. And he said three points. Number one, what's a comfort to him? Number one, my children, they are doing something of paramount importance. That is a comfort. Number two, tefillah, davening to Kodesh Baruch Hu. That is a comfort. And number three, having others to speak with about the challenges. That is a comfort as well. And I just want to wrap everything up with an interesting explanation as to the mitzvah of Su'udas Havra, the first meal, when the Avelim come home after the Levi, after the Kfura. There are different explanations why we have the Su'udas Havra. And one of them, brought by the Tame Aminagim in the name of the Sefer Mavar Yavok, he says as follows, Ki kochos hadin ata sholtin The family the brave family. They have an, uh, somebody passed away. And this was a gzardin of a Kaddish Baruch Hu against the household. There's a gzardin against them. And we have to counteract that. And we have to do chesed for that family. And accordingly, we supply. They don't supply their own sudas of Ra. But we supply. The neighbors, the friends supply the sudas of Ra in order to counteract the deen of the family, we want to bring chesed into their lives. And I will say based on that, that the families that have losses, Klal Yisrael is here for you. And we want to show you the chesed. And we want to bring you the chesed that you have done by having your children protect Klal Yisrael. Mir Tashem, there's no way we can do as much chesed as you've done for us. But hopefully, we can in kind do at least a little bit chesed for you. Thanks so much for listening to Day Show.